Joining us now is Jeff Tarpley from Gigum247.com. Jeff, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? Great, guys. How are y'all doing? Doing terrific. Hey, fun one coming up uh, this weekend uh, at uh, at Kyle Field as the Aggies take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Aggies have won, what, seven or eight in a row. But, man, it seems like every time these two teams hook up, it's a heck of a dogfight. It's usually A&M makes one more play or one more mistake, uh, or one less mistake, excuse me, than Arkansas. And that's basically been the difference except uh, when Johnny Manziel was playing and in 2016 when Trevor Knight was the quarterback and A&M kind of ran off with the game in the third and fourth quarter. Otherwise, Arkansas, regardless of their record, seems to play very, very hard against A&M. They take A&M to the limit. They usually seem to get enough turnovers and penalties to stay even with a superior A&M team. And also one other aspect of this is usually an early-in-the-year matchup. And even though Arkansas has not been very good the last few years, it's been early enough that, and you know what I'm talking about when I say this, they don't necessarily know how bad (laughs) they are, so to speak. Then they lose that game. And you look at the end of the year and they're like two and 10, but they didn't know they were two and 10 team at the time. It's just, they lose that game. It really seems to affect them and they're not the same for the rest of the season. Jeff, I think they, I I think they think they're pretty good. Now uh, I think they think they should be three and one on the season right now. They're probably right about that. The way they're winning, you know, as far as the talent level goes, they still have a little ways to go with regard to the rest of their SEC brethren. I think what's made a difference is Sam Pittman has come in, brought he's brought in two very good coordinators in Kendall Bryles and uh, Odom uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And what they've been able to do is get the players to buy into their schemes on the offensive side of the ball. They've taken quarterback Felipe Franks. They haven't asked him to do too much. They're not running the ball really well. They're making just enough plays in the passing game to get by. They're not turning it over. They're not very heavily penalized. Defense are surviving on turnovers, making you drive a long way and eventually shooting yourself in the foot. They're really good in the red zone. They make you kick a lot of field goals there. So for A&M, the challenge is going to be avoiding those types of mistakes against Arkansas this weekend and also being able to have those, have those four-point plays in the red zone, so to speak, you know, a third and three from the 10 or let's say a third and goal from the one, turn those into touchdowns, not let, them, not let Seth Small trot on the field to try a field goal. Obviously, this is an SEC matchup, but uh, both of these programs, uh, once upon a time, uh, met on the on the football field as members of the Southwest Conference. Does that old SWC thing, does that mean anything to either one of these football teams? It's interesting. It probably means more to the fans, and even because A&M and Arkansas didn't play, we, we Go back to the fact that A&M and Arkansas stopped playing after the 1991 season when Arkansas left for the SEC. So you have to be 57 years old like I, I am to remember the heyday of the rivalry, especially in the 80s when uh, Ken Hatfield and Lou Holtz was on one side and Jackie Sherrill and R.C. Slocum were on the other. So that 
that really has kind of that's really not there so to speak it's interesting though that at least among the players for arkansas the game seems to mean more to them uh and i don't know if that's because they've got guys from you know more guys from texas i don't know if it's because they feel like they're kind of an upstart compared to a&m since a&m joined the sec uh the recruiting certainly is not what it was in texas back years and years ago and especially because they since A&M joined the SEC but they do seem to have more of a chip on their shoulder coming into this game and especially because it's usually the first matchup in the SEC schedule for both programs. Jeff well this game is going to be played at Kyle Field it, it was announced earlier this week that next year it's going to go back to a neutral site at AT&T Stadium what went into that and what are the thoughts around the A&M on the game going back to a neutral site? From A&M's standpoint, A&M wants to finish that contract and be done with it. You've got to understand, when A&M and Arkansas started playing in 2009 and they negotiated the, co- the current contract before that, the finances of college football were vastly different than in those days. For example, the payout at that time from this game was almost akin to another bowl game for A&M. Back in, pre, you know, Pre-SEC A&M in the days where your Big 12 TV contract, the income from it numbered in the millions and not the tens of millions, that was a big issue because A&M was was desperately trying to generate revenue to keep up with schools such as Texas and Oklahoma and the Big 12, other schools across the country. But when they went to Jerry World and they started playing, A&M said, hey, look, we need a stadium like this. And it helped that Johnny Manziel came along to kind of kickstart the financing and give people an indication, hey, this is what the the product could look like on the field, buy into it via uh, your donations. And also A&M was able to finance over $300 million of the $450 million construction via bonds that they sold on Wall Street. So for A&M, you got to pay off those bonds, well, the, the interest on those. How do you do that? Well, you got to have home games. So from a financial standpoint, A&M's got to have this game at home because in a non-COVID year, it's going to generate a significant part of the revenue necessary to pay down those bonds that made the stadium construction happen in the first place. Getting into the gameplay uh now, how is the Aggie defense going to go about stopping these RPOs that have made this Arkansas offense so successful over the past few weeks? Mike Elko's unit is usually pretty good. At least they were in 2018 and 2019 at dealing with our teams that ran RPOs. They haven't been quite as successful in 2020. Their eye discipline on the back end needs to get better. I think another thing is is that teams are RPOing. They're not RPOing at the first and second levels of the defense as much. They're taking their RPOs to the third level of the defense. And what I mean by that is you're you're you know, in the old days of the option, you had die back quarterback pitch man and you read a you read a defensive tackle and a defensive end or an outside linebacker and that made all your decisions. With the zone reads, you read the end. Um, with the second level RPO you read a linebacker or a nickel. Now it's gotten to the point where a third-level RPO, you're reading a corner or a safety. And so while A&M's front seven, especially in 2018, was very, very disciplined at knowing where they needed to be 
and not allowing quarterbacks to make quick decisions in terms of what to do with the football. They're, you know, the, the play on the back end, they're allowing those quarterbacks to make easier decisions, quicker decisions, get rid of the ball sooner, and, and get those hit those plays down the field, especially what I would like to call the high-low binds that they put safeties in. That's, that's a third-level read. They read that safety. They throw the ball on, over their heads, and they throw it in front of them. A&M safeties and the corners have to do a better job of keeping things in front of them, being where they need to be so that you don't have people running free down the field because the safety and corner are looking at each other going, no, I, I got him, and the other guy's going, no, I got him, and then neither one of them, neither one of them ends up having him. That's kind of what happened against Alabama. To uh, much to A&M chagrin. Is this game about Arkansas's offense and A&M's defense? It, it's about A&M's offense and Arkansas's defense because Arkansas turns you over. That's how they survive as a football team. They can't, you know, they're they're averaging just over twenty points a game. Uh, that includes uh, the pick sixes they've had. So. They're not going to score a lot of points. They're not set up to do that. They're not one of the better rushing teams in the SEC, so they're not going to consistently beat you on the ground. They don't generate a lot of long throws through the air that provide you with the chunk plays and, and score the football. What they're going to do is they're going to hold you to field goals in the red zone. They're going to turn you over there and elsewhere, and they're going to put their offense in position, or the defense is going to score for them. They, you know, put the offense in position, short fields to score points. So what A&M's got to do is avoid those types of mistakes, capitalize on a big veteran offensive line in the end zone, take advantage. They're going to get numbers uh, like they did against Mississippi State where you know Arkansas is probably going to play six guys in the box. A&M's going to have uh, six blockers for those six guys. They're going to have to hand the ball off, wear Arkansas down, and eventually be able to push them around in the red zone so that they can either punch the ball into the end zone in the run game or provide a, use play action, get people open between the safeties and the backers in the end zone in the passing game so they can get those touchdowns, and that's the way they'll separate from the Hawks. Uh, right now, what's the recruiting uh, front looking like for A&M? Has anything changed over the past few weeks? Uh, I know we didn't get a chance to talk last week with uh, A&M having a game off. How's the uh, landscape coming on recruiting? Recruiting's just kind of difficult to keep up with right now, especially recruiting nationally because there's kids that are playing games, uh, especially in the state of Texas and other areas. They're they're not necessarily playing. Uh, they're restrict. You know, they're not necessarily at school. You can't go see them on campus. They can't come to your campus. So. These kids, really, I would not say that it's it's at a halt, but just information on it right now is very, very difficult to come by. From what we can tell, things continue to go well for A&M, but you get have to be patient in recruiting because a lot of these kids aren't going to make up their minds until closer to the December signing day and the February signing day simply because if they're playing games, they've they're got their minds on that. But also the colleges are playing games and they can't necessarily get people on campus. So they're going to have to wait a while before they can make anything happen in that regard, either uh, 
either talking a lot to the kids and showing them what they have to offer or for the kids to have the time to take a look at things before making a decision. So, you know, and and it's not too different what it's been the last couple of years. I, I think we'll start to see, as usual, things ramp up in December uh, when we get closer. A&M's got a very good class. They have the potential to land a much better class. But, again, that's not going to be decided probably beginning until early December. Hey, Jeff, uh, obviously everybody's a little different. Uh, what, is the, uh, what is the attendance situation looking like for, for A&M in Arkansas? A&M is, is at state guidelines 25% of capacity. And so that's approximately 25,000 fans, give or take a couple of thousand either way. I, I know Dan, you know, it was funny, Dan Mullen made the comments uh, about A&M having people there, uh, too many, uh, more people there than what was anticipated. It's not up to the SEC to regulate that. It's for government and health officials in the state of Texas. So A&M is no different than anyone else in the state in that regard. They... The one interesting thing is, is that you're you did have more students there than non-students, former students, because a lot of the former students are like, hey, look, given you know, got underlying conditions, you know, I'm not going to attend the, you know, I'm just not going to attend this year. They make their tickets available to the students uh, either before or after the season. So as a result, you've got more students going to the games and non-students former students, and you've also got them right behind the benches, <laughs> the opposing <laughs> benches. So they're, they're, you know, they're going to make the impact is you're going to have more noise. It's not going to be uniform noise. You're going to have more noise behind the opposing bench than you're going to have in the rest of the stadium. I think that's what shocked Dan Mullen to an extent is that you had 25,000 people there and they had to call timeout because they couldn't communicate. And Sam Pittman's talking about, well, 50,000 people, I think. No, A&M's not going to have 50,000 people there. But what they will have is more people behind the Arkansas bench than what Arkansas is probably used to seeing. And A&M fans like to make noise, so they're going to be making noise the entire time. So if you've been playing in an environment that's relatively quiet and all of a sudden you go into Kyle Field, it's probably going to rally you a little bit that you're sitting there having to talk a little bit louder. Maybe you can't just sit there and shout signals like you're used to doing. Uh, I, I think that's a bit, I, I think that's what really threw Florida off uh, a couple of weeks, uh, three weeks ago now. I, it'll be interesting to see if Arkansas has made any adjustments in this practice. Pittman said they were taking precautions. They were cranking the noise up at practice. I think that's hysterical given the fact that there's only going to be 25,000 people there again, give or take a couple of thousand. So, for those guys come out, have that kind of impact, uh, you know, Kyle Field's supposed to be an incredibly difficult place to play. I think that's a real tribute to them, though, that you're having these misconceptions about how many people are coming into A&M and, what, and how they're affecting the opposing teams relative to what you're seeing across the rest of the SEC. Hey, Jeff, we appreciate your time uh, and uh, look forward to visiting with you again next week. Guys, thanks. Always a pleasure. See you later. That's Jeff Tarpley from Giggum247.com.